Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew to do our breakdown for the Pebble Beach course. Uh, normally, the worst event to watch on TV all year where we, you know, we're watching Bill Murray hack shots. We're, we're watching, you know, businessmen dunk it into the Pacific ocean, but no AMs. And uh, I mean, this golf course, Pebble beach is like one of the best television golf courses there is. So I'm, I'm actually pretty pumped for this event. I don't think though, Colin, it's going to go as solid as it did for me last year, where Nick Taylor paid out for me as a winner at 150 to one. I have a feeling <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed this year. I don't know, man. If you bet anything before last night when DJ withdrew, you've got a ton of value because DJ was three and a half to one to win coming off of his win in Saudi. He had elite course history here. The field is extremely weak. And so you lose a guy who is like 30% to win and all the other outrights are just immediately plus EV. And so the odds shifted, but they, they were kind of slow moving things. It took almost an hour for things to settle. So there was a lot of opportunity if you were kind of paying attention last night and uh, there's still some value out there, I think just with the way things got reshuffled, but it definitely changed the field a lot with the DJ news. Yeah. And I wasted some of my closing line value on Wyndham Clark who already <laughs> withdrew. So, you know, it's just like, uh, you, you can't, you can't win uh, even when you are winning. So the DK prices also are sort of, uh, well, I mean, not even sort of, they definitely are impacted by Dustin Johnson withdrawing. There are only three golfers who are above 10,000. It's Cantlay, it's Casey, it's Daniel Berger, and then our guy Will Zalatoris there at 9.9. Um, so I guess the question becomes, no DJ in the field. You know, how much are we wanting to play Paul Casey? How much are we wanting to play Daniel Berger, I mean, can't lay. I I think can't lay probably just like lays waste to this field. Uh, I mean, this is about as weak of a field as I can remember for like a marquee golf event in in a long time. Like Pebble Beach is a huge tournament, and we're talking about about you know Jason Day trading at like eighteen to one to win this event. Like it's yeah. it's it's brutal. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the tournament has changed a bit. You kind of mentioned off the drop, but no amateurs this year. So that definitely nice for the viewing experience. They're also moving it from the three day cut in the three course rotation to a two day cut in a two course rotation. So they dropped Monterey Peninsula out of the rotation. Everybody will play Pebble Beach once. Everybody will play Spyglass once, and then Pebble will host the weekend rounds for whoever makes the cut. And Monterey was the really easy one, right? If I yeah, or Spyglass, so, I don't remember. It was it was always like weather dependent, and that's one of the things that I think you need to pay attention to for betting first round leader and for showdown stuff. But um, Spyglass is kind of protected more from like the elements than Monterey and Pebble were. But Monterey, if the conditions were good, was the course that would play the easiest, and so. Um, it does look like there's going to be extreme winds some of the days with the early forecast potentially impacting like a, a late wave on Thursday right now. And um, all that stuff will shift, of course, over the next couple of days. But it is for sure a week where the weather matters and the course rotation matters. And that matters a lot for showdown. Yeah, uh, all that makes sense. Uh, the, the showdown, the showdown stuff in these weeks just always ends up being so tilting. Like on, on day two, someone who stacks the wrong course with bad weather will just get like two miracle rounds and find a way to ship. Like it just always ends up being so tilting. But let's go ahead and go to the DK by price range. So these are only our, our V1 ownership projections, but 
if Cantlay really does come in at like 23%, he is a potential lock button candidate for me because he is so much better than Paul Casey and so much better than Daniel Berger. I mean, all respect to Daniel Berger, who I've touted on this show, even when his form is just, you know, dog shit. But I, uh, I can't lay is like the fourth or fifth best golfer in the world to me. Yeah. I think data golf has him like sixth official world golf rankings. I think he's like 11th or 12th, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely the class of the field. I will say they did a decent job with the price on him. Now he'd probably be like 12 K I guess, you know, yeah. or 11 point something, but DJ was, 12k at three and a half to one Cantley is now I think like seven and a half to one so I think he's only a few hundred dollars different than where they might have priced him otherwise so that's at least as good it doesn't completely ruin the slate as whereas if he was like 10.5 or something like that I think be a little bit different of a conversation but yeah Cantley definitely the class of the field I would expect the the projected ownership ticks up closer to 30 in MME we rarely see someone get past 30 um it it never happens so it's you know, it, it probably just settles there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it has to be, I mean, like a legit pricing error and even a weaker field than this to see ownerships get way out of whack because, you know, you'll have your game theory bros playing Paul Casey. Uh, you know, the Spieth slappies, they're going to look at that Saturday round and be feeling good about it. I mean, I, I don't think this will even come close to holding, but our, our early projected ownership on Jordan Spieth and Jason Day, both of them are north of 25% right now. Yeah, yeah early in the week, it, like it's always like the, the chatter is always like the course history guys. Spieth, obviously, off the performance last week, was going to get, you know, pick up some steam. And, and people definitely excited when Spieth is kind of back on as well. So it doesn't take too much as far as like a flash for him to, to pop um, in the ownership projections. I think the other dynamic of this field is there's just not a huge difference between, you know, Brendan Steele at 8,400 and Charlie Hoffman at 7,300. So it's, it's not just the field's weak. It's like the, you know, the Cantley teams are easy to build because you're not like sacrificing that much value to save a thousand dollars on, you know, the fourth or fifth or sixth golfers on your roster. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. I mean, I, I will just say right now I will do, uh, you know, my normal single entry team that I, I play in, you know, multiple contests and then I'll do my MME and I just will not play either of them. I, I will pl- I think I want to try and make Zalatoris and Cantlay work in single entry. I haven't, I haven't fiddled around too much with like super cheap guys to see if that's possible yet. My sense is that the mid range of guys is going to be pretty overvalued this week relative to like win expectancy for guys who are 6,800 or whatever. Like, I mm-hmm. think that though, I think that just yeah. when you take out that win equity at the top, it really devalues that mid range. So stars and scrubs kind of style building seems to make intuitive yeah. sense. But again, I haven't, I haven't crushed anything out yet. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And, you know, can't lay, I think is the play in single entry, definitely the play in the cash game. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been playing single entry on DK and then MME over on FanDuel and I'll, I'm comfortable playing like Caitlin up to 65% of my lineups probably this week. Yeah. I think that, I think that makes a decent amount of sense. Do you, um, I mean, do you want to say anything about any, do you want to slow down the Zalatoris hype? Like, you know, the idea that this, uh, you know, kid from the corn fairy tour should be valued over major winners and Jason day and Jordan speed. Like that feels like a classic position for you to be like, I'm not playing this guy and I'm playing the more proven day and speed. 
Oh, I mean, he, like I'm, I'm more like I trust the data golf projections, and so when someone projects well and he's not overly popular, then I'm definitely on board there. So I'm curious to see what happens with Day. Like Day, you know, he's popular because of course history here is definitely a good course fit, especially Pebble. Pebble, you know, a course that rewards around the green play and short game more. So it doesn't penalize lack of driving accuracy. So that's one of the day's weaknesses. So it's definitely one of the courses that would set up well for Jason Day. He's obviously not been in his top form, but he has done like half a stroke better than his baseline at this event. So, um, you know, if Day really does end up like 25%, one of the most popular players on the slate, I'm happy just to stick with the outright I've got on him and then play Zalatoris at like an ownership discount. Um, so that's where I'm kind of letting the decisions guide me this week with that range. All right. Next, we have Siwoo, Francesco, Ricky Fowler, somehow a $9,100 Sam Burns. This is what I'm talking about in terms of like, why wouldn't I just play seven? Like literally Sam Burns versus Shez Reevy. You You wouldn't like, what do we make Sam Burns over Shez Reevy in a head-to-head? Like minus 180? Like it's it's just like... This is a very weak field is, is the point I'm driving at here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably be like minus 200 or something. Um, but like the, the point holds, there's some good players at the top. You definitely want to prioritize those players. And then you definitely do not want to get sucked into, you know, $9,000 Kevin Streelman, right? No, no, no. I do not. <laughs> so, I mean, that that I think is the right way to build this week is to try to load up on top tier and then like bypass it and try to connect like for you know mid-range values. And I think that's overall the general approach this week. Um Ricky Fowler, I think like I, I mean, I feel like he keeps projecting as a leverage play. So I, I keep taking a little bit of a nibble. Obviously it hasn't worked, but we did see last week where like Kepka coming out of seemingly nowhere, speed coming out of seemingly nowhere, kind of buying into the long-term class when you get an ownership discount uh, can be fruitful. Yeah. So, I mean, this range is just full of dudes that you are not wanting to pay these prices for, right? Max Homa, Henrik Norlander, Phil Mickelson, who's getting like a giant, giant course history bump here because his, his like his recent and long-term form both are terrible. Uh, Tringali strikes me. I, I bet Tringali at 50 to one. He strikes me as a pretty strong play here. Matt Jones, James Hahn, Russell Knox. I mean, these, these guys are all uh, just sort of the plays that strike me as, you know, being fairly priced as, as opposed to, you know, playing $8,600 Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering with the DJ withdraw, you know, I was wondering how much of that, how much, like he plays this every year, but a lot of times he's playing with Wayne Gretzky, right? So you got the Paulina thing there. And I was wondering how much that impacted his decision. I also wonder with some of the guys like, like Phil, like how much, you know, they end up like Phil, you know, probably trying to get insider trading tips on the course. Trying to to gamble with these old guys too. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe he won't play as well without the, the CEO money to go along with the prize pool. But, uh, I like Brian Harmon in addition to that list that you said. I could see him kind of being overlooked. He he projects, um, you know, slightly better than Matt Jones. The field has slightly less respect for Brian Harmon. So small pivots like that, I think, make a lot of sense this week. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely on board with that one. Another course history dude, Brant Snedeker. People just love love the Sneds at these coastal 
California golf courses. I mean, I, I, I'll probably play him uh, close to the field. We also have a very high ownership projection on Peter Malnati and Harold Varner. I'm assuming that this is a course history thing, but I don't even know. Like, what what is pulling in the, for these guys? Um, so... Malnati's a recent form guy. He's been playing really well recently. Yeah, he's getting a course history bump as well in the data golf stuff. So um, I imagine that. And then I don't know if Varner has a notable course history here, but he like he's a dude that people like. He usually pops when you run like weighted strokes gain models and things like that for TD Green play. So perhaps um, perhaps some of the chatter is about that. I will say one of my buddies just texted me about betting Varner next week. So. If he's talking about Varner, maybe there's something else I'm missing. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple other guys in here. I, I like Nick Taylor, Maverick McNeely, Scott Stalling, Shez Reeby. And then, okay, Jim Furyk. Are we playing old man Furyk at the, uh, at the three wood wedge course? I, I vote, I vote yes on Furyk. You're, you're trying to, I mean, have the Steve Stricker magic last week yep. and, and you're trying to chase that with Furyk, huh? Yeah. And imagine, imagine data golf finally getting off of Stricker last week. And then not, I, where, I don't even know. I didn't even watch on Sunday. Where did he end up? Uh, I don't, I don't know where the Stricker ended up in the final leaderboard, obviously not there in contention, but um, still good week for the old man. Yeah. Um, all right. Who else do we have here? Noted, noted data golf favorite, Ryan Moore. I'll probably play him. I don't know, 5% or so. Michael, uh, Michael Thompson, though, the putting wizard, because putting does end up being a thing here where, like, it is so much about around the green. The greens are really tricky. You have to play them really strong. Yeah, they're really Michael Thompson, too. Yeah, Michael Thompson, not a great wedge player, but he is, like, long-term a Jason Day-level putter. Like, this dude just is a total putting wizard, so he's going to make uh, – he definitely is going to make uh, the player pool for me. And then friend of the podcast, Tom Hoagie, this is like the golf course for him where he doesn't have to bomb it super far off the tee and he just get it's just all wedges, which is like the only thing that he grades out at above average at on the PGA tour. This was this golf course way back in the day was when I discovered the legend of Tom Hoagie. I played him at Pebble like five years ago or something. <laughs> and he, I think you know, he grinded out like a T18 or something. And I was like, there we go. The legend of Tom Hoagie has been born. Yeah. I, I will say the, when the, DJ news came out. I just opened up my app to try to bet whatever I could. And one of the names that was just an auto click was Denny McPutts at greater than 201 odds. I, I think everything you said about Hoagie, I feel like applies to McPutts as well, except McPutts can sun run with the putter. Yep. Um, and you know, the course not penalizing driving accuracy quite as much. I think is good for him too. Not a guy, obviously the long shot bet. I don't expect him to win, but uh for DFS, 6,900, make the cut, play the weekend. It seems pretty fair, and especially in the field this week. Yeah. Uh, very. I mean, very similar to some of these other plays. Bronson Burgoon, just a guy you take in weak fields. You never take him in stronger fields. Johnny Vegas, same deal. Patrick Rogers, same deal. Uh, this is a total brand play for me. No one else should play him, but Brandon Hagee, just because he's he's just one of those dudes who hits it like 308. Like he just smokes was, it off the tee. So I just like jammed the opto just to see what it would spit out. I was actually surprised to see any exposure to Hagee in there. But yeah, I mean, he's a bomber. It's definitely not really a bomber's track. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. That's something I need to dig into a little bit. 
What I wasn't surprised at though was Adam Shank down at 6,500 near minimum priced. And that, that just makes the Cantley team so easy. Click your, two of your boys, you yep. got Cantley up top, your boy Shank at 6,500 and ton of flexibility there to then, you know, throw McPutts in there. And now you got a yep. Stars and Scrubs build. Yeah, you just you just love to see it. And there are other uh there are other like scrubs here too. Joseph Bramlett, the outlaw tour hero from back from our, our early COVID days when we were grinding there. Uh Christopher Ventura, who is according to data golf stuff, like the best putter on tour, basically. Like no one gains more strokes putting than Christopher Ventura. Uh of course, Shank. Let's see, who's the cheapest guy that I can tout here? That might be about it. Maybe, maybe Ryan Brem. He's uh he shows up when you run yeah. showdown stuff because he's the dead man. Yeah, I think Shank's like the the cheapest I can go for the main slate. Um, for everyone who's listening, and then yeah, showdown it definitely can get a little wilder, especially if there ends up being a lot of wind on Pebble and you get like a PM wave type of thing. Like you could see lineups leaving like 4K on the table and stuff like that. So, um, I haven't been playing showdown as much to start this year, but it might be a week where I try to focus on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. In terms of betting, do you see, do you see anyone else out there that still looks good? So I don't, do you have the opening odds? Cause I was surprised by some of the stuff that I saw and it, they obviously like reshuffled some of the betting markets over at FanDuel with the DJ news. And so, you know, you did see Cantlay go to like seven and a half to one. And, um, but there were other guys where it felt like things didn't move quite as much from where things opened. And so, looking at like uh, Ricky Fowler, for example, like still at 48 to one. Yeah. Was surprising Well, me. Th- they just know Ricky's 0% to win and uh, fish will pile on uh, him at any number. Yeah. So I bet uh, Ricky Fowler, it's hard to there talk about go. betting because I bet so many guys at better numbers than this. Um, but I do think that there still is value. And I would say it impacts the outrights more than like the top 20 markets, like losing DJ matters a lot for the outrights and for top five markets. It obviously doesn't matter very much four top 20s just losing one player that was a lock to top 20 um so if you're looking for value on any sites i would look at outrights and top fives to see what's left and then i would pay attention for first round leader markets with both the the pm potential wind coming in on thursday and the course splits to try to potentially find an edge there once those markets are released yeah i mean i would if i had not bet these numbers already i would bet Matt Jones at the numbers you could get for him. I would bet Patrick Rogers because you can get him at like 200 to one. And I would bet McPutts at 200. In fact, I'm going to go Rogers bet McPutts. 150 now. I think people, okay. you know, people bet data golf stuff too, right? So they've yep. already bet that number down, but I think, I still think they see value in it at 150. I would bet McCarthy yeah, I and Shank. That right now in fact i'm gonna go do that right now as we get off the air uh everyone hopefully you can reconnect with some of that nick taylor magic hit another long shot at pebble i mean i i bet him again too just because imagine hitting the same winner back to back and and data (laughs) golf stuff data golf stuff does like him here so i don't feel that bad um one and done i mean it feels like you just use cantlay right unless you're well except he really is a good major you know what i'm gonna use burger that's what i'm gonna do yeah, Berger would be a good pick. Um, Jason Day, you're probably not using Day to, like, you're not looking for Day for WGCs as well. So 
I think Cantlay Burger Day. Maybe Zalatoris, because I would never use Zalatoris in a major, and I don't think he'll be popular here at all. Yeah. I mean, 10, 10% of the pool, maybe, uh, in the big male contest. Yeah, the only way, yeah, less than way less than that because people aren't really looking to use him unless you get to like a 3M type of setup. So I guess the picks we rattled off are going to be the most popular, like Can't Lie Day, Burger. Um, I don't think Will Z will be. Maybe some people will use Spieth. And I think the majority of the one done stuff concentrates there. I guess Paul Casey would be a guy that is inside the top five. You're not looking to use it too many courses. And this will be one of the better prices you get on Paul Casey as far as his win probability. Yeah. Um, all right. There we go. Got her done. Uh, we'll be back next week. Definitely make sure to use the optimizer, the projections uh, to make the best possible golf lineups. And uh, good luck, everybody.